Hey, it's Dan here. If you want to hear this episode of the Backchat Podcast without ads and get extra content that no one else gets, head to backchatstudios.com.au where you can sign up as a patron and access all of our bloody good merch. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Back Chatters, Scully here. It's been a huge 2023 here at Back Chat Studios. We've been all over the country. We've spoken to guests from all different sports, uh, big, small, in between. We've done it all. It's been epic. So while I have some of our crew here on break, including myself, a well-earned one, I might add, we want to bring to you our top 10 stories of the year. There are some epic ones here. Our boy Nick hasn't told me what they are, but we're going to go through them together. How's that sound? At number 10, Liam Duggan. He was sent on a bit of a journey by the West Coast Eagles. Let's call it a journey uh, to the captain's day. Just remember, this man isn't the captain of the West Coast Eagles. He was barely in the leadership group. He was in the leadership group. I don't know if he was a vice captain or not, but he was sent there on a bit of a mission. Let's hear what Duggo had to say. It sounded like one of the great stitch-ups of all time. So obviously I went to the captain's day. Um, yeah, and I was leading towards that, I believe. Yeah, yeah. So I, I joked when I got back that I told all the captains of the other 17 clubs that I would see them next year. Um, <laughs> obviously I that's good. I do not have any aspirations to do that next year, but it's, uh, yeah, it was sort of, uh, it was a nice little way in for that yeah. one. So, <laughs> so how, you... So the first thing, like, that was odd about that photo... Um, no, no, no. Oh, yeah, sorry. Well, well how, how did you... Why, 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 why were you there? Yeah, why, were yeah, you, why yeah. was the seventh in line leader? Why were you there? The, uh, yeah, so we had main training Friday, so it was going to be a big session. It was obviously the week before round one. Um, so it was fly into Melbourne on Wednesday, fly out Thursday night, and we had a big session Friday morning to sign off on pre-season and have everyone right, you know, cherry up to go for, for round one. So... Boots, obviously, with his soft tissue injuries, his age, um, Luke Chewy, that is. He he, sort of – I don't know if he weaseled his way out of it, but someone has pulled boots. him out. Um, Would have been. And him. there was a lot of uh, – because it was such last minute, like I found out Tuesday that I was going. Um, so, yeah, there was like – What about McGovern and Brasto? Yeah, I don't know. That, well, TB just had his newborn. Okay. Um, so I was, I was – TB, fine. You're out of the question, fair. mate. You've got – you know, you've got a busy week. Um Gov, Gov ha- hated never, him Gov, for two days. Gov always gets out of this stuff. Yeah. There's always something. <laughs> hated him for two days. Oscar hated for two days. Boots, I was filthy at. Like I was, <laughs> I don't get very angry very often, but I was filthy. Um, even so much, I went like I fought for myself a little bit not to go. 
Um, and then they were like, oh, right, I will send, yeah, we'll send uh, Dom. And I was like, oh, hang on, wait, no, no, like, <laughs> I'll go. I don't want like someone else to have to go because I'm pulling out. And, was it the travel hard. or was it the you not being captain? Uh, no, it was, so it was more the, the travel. And I was like, I've like, you know, my knee's not exactly in the most prime position it could be. Um, and I, I had a disjointed pre-season. I needed another big session too just to set my pre-season up. Like I was a little bit behind the boys already. Um, but I'd come off like a cortisone and stuff and that was their way of thinking it. And and to be honest, I'd kicked up a bit of a stink like everyone did though, like everyone. No one was putting their hand up. Um, They've never held it in Perth. I might add, Dago won't say this, but yeah. never had the captain captain's briefing in Perth. That'd be nice. Yeah, yeah, probably 11 yeah, of the captains are in Melbourne. I, just, I said um, that, not you. Continue. <laughs> yeah. But, uh, yeah, no, I was just oh, – so once I got there, it was honestly oh, – I was a little bit embarrassed because I was like, look, I'm – you know, I'm not the captain. Like, are the other 17 captains even going to know? Like, potentially Jared Witts has no idea who I am. <laughs> like, I don't, don't really cross paths with him even yeah. on game day. Like, he's not doing his oppo analysis and I'm popping up in there like he's a threat. Um, <laughs> You've so, been way too harsh on yourself. No, it's quite it, funny. It was sort of just how I justified yeah. myself being so filthy at the reason I was going. But when I got there, I I, I did have a good experience. I, I enjoyed what... Um, you know, what I saw, it was like, it was a sort of a, a full on day, the media stuff and all that is like, you know, that's, that's just had to be done, that sort of stuff. But just to meet, you know, some other blokes that I'd never crossed paths with and um, the whole experience of pretending to be a captain for a day, it was, uh, yeah, it wasn't, wasn't the worst experience of my life. So yeah, I did, I did apologize all, to all pretty normal blokes. Like they've, they've... Yeah. Very, yeah. Very like it. Not, not that I'm, I'm not surprised. No. Uh, that sounded a bit surprised. Like, no, no, surprised, I think, but, no, um, I think people, I think people generally would look around and yeah, even players, you don't know them. Yeah, so. well, the funniest thing is, like, some of them are like genuine, you know, competitive beasts on the field. Like a Toby Nankervis, for example, like he is an angry man on the football field and plays that way and rucks that way and just like dominates the field. But he he was one of the nicer blokes that I'd come across and. He actually helped me out quite a bit because we both didn't want to be there as equally as each other. So he um, he just he was not one for the media. Like he was the one at the back with me while we we're all walking up the race and the cameras are out. And mind you, there's the other 17 clubs were represented by a captain. So I was the one and only, which I think in past years gone past, there's maybe been a couple here yeah. and there who are filling in. So um, usually they send the vice captain or something. Yeah, yeah. Or, or that's, on or, that's on Brass. That's on Brass and McGovern. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah but they, they did have they genuinely did did have things booked in um, that were hard to move around. And I I did have something booked in, but um, I did have to apologise nice. to, to Nutrient Ag for that. Dan Dan took a keen interest in the photo. Yeah, how do you yeah. feel about the photo? Terribly, um, <laughs> ter- terribly. So, I could not look. I'm bigger than Zach Merritt. I know that for a fact. But I look like half his size. So what's happened? What's happened there? I don't know if my chair was. <laughs> well, first of all, they put me in between Wits and Gorn, who yeah. like are two of the biggest men you'll ever stand next to. Let alone sit down. And next you're to, sitting. Like, you're sitting. Yeah, right so there. I'm sitting, and I don't. I reckon my chair's a little bit further back. Like, because I've been mindful in the past of hunching my shoulders in team photos and stuff because I have been made, like I've dwarfed myself a few times right. yeah, between right. um, some bigger blokes. So I, I thought I've had a focus of keeping my shoulders up and chin up and all oh, this, but it really did not come out that way. So probably a good thing though, like wasn't wasn't my job to be there. Um, Luke Shuey didn't didn't rock up. So I've just sort of faded away into the shadows of Big Gorn and Witsy. I think your problem was, um, and what we'd heard from from Alex Pierce was that they put the top four at the front. Yeah. So they had Bulldogs, 
Brisbane, Geelong, Sydney. Ah, right. yeah. like Collingwood's there too. And, and Collingwood. So I think they had the top six. So you should be in the, that area for you know your height for the photo. Yeah. Team, right. Like yeah. That was me in, in school, always yeah, sitting at the front. That's where are, yeah. But because Darcy Moore's taken probably your spot. And <laughs> Why is he three times the size of what he actually is as well? Is that, <laughs> that, I just, I just photoshopped that. that. Oh, what, so, no, what was that? Yeah, so, so Dan, right mm. here, sitting at home, Photoshopped it and it went viral. Oh, was that you? Yes. Yeah, so oh, you're, in the, you're in the flesh, mate. I've um, grown legs, Matthew. Yeah, I know. So I saw Dar- – because he already looked a little bit too big and yep. that's because I didn't realise they put all the top four, top six or whatever at the front. Yeah. So I was like, that's funny. Darcy looks too big to be there. I'm just going to make him a tiny bit bigger so it looks even worse. And then the photo started getting tweeted as if it was real. There was like a Herald Sun journalist, journalist that was like, hey, everyone, just let you know, I was there. Uh, Darcy wasn't photoshopped in. This is definitely legit. Oh, my like, God. Yeah, no. Oh, mate, that's worked so well. well. I'm looking at one where you're doing the, you know, they've obviously said, hey, just casual start, look. Yeah, just, just be casual, have, have a chat. Funny, yeah. Yeah. Oh, who, yeah. Who are you looking at there? And what are you like? What are you saying? You're telling um, a joke too. Yeah, I reckon I'm. <laughs> you look at Luke. Luke was good. Luke McDonald next to me, he was good. So I reckon he's just told me an absolute corker there. Um, <laughs> but no, it, that that was probably the most awkward part of the whole day because that. So I think did Piercey talk about the um like didn't want to be selected last. In uh, I, I felt like or maybe that was I don't know maybe I, I spoke about that with someone that. else but I. I, seated last or yeah, like, like so, like in. they were sort of one by one pulling you into where you needed to go, and I was down to the last three. Who was and it? I thought, do not leave me out here who, by myself. Remember, because, <laughs> uh, I, it <laughs> might have actually been Jack Steele, St Kilda, because he reckon he's on the end there, yes. and maybe oh, I can't tell you who the other one was, but I was selected third last. Why didn't you want to be out there by yourself? Because it was that it, because it was the most awkward time, like everyone else sitting down talking to their mates, their other fellow captains. And I would have been standing – like I was 10 metres off the side. Like we were all – so where we all congregated for this photo was 10 metres to the side and no one moved in slowly as they were coming to pull, pull you in to get your seat. So I was still 10 metres away from this these seats here. So it would have been a – it would have been a pisser of a photo if you had got me by myself out there with everyone else sitting Watching down. Like, part, of, part of you think like they're going to just leave me out of the pick? Yeah, or well, that's I, I honestly walked around the media outlets and especially the, the first hour of the media stuff was like all the AFL sort of protected media. So they were we did that in a different area. And I walked around to each of them and I said, look, mate, I'm not the captain. If you don't want to speak to me, <laughs> you don't have to speak to me. Um, and most of them were good. They all – well, most of them had a chat. Um, some had different lists that they didn't chat to everyone. But um, I just funny. made it clear that I didn't put my hand up to be there. I was sort of just here. Righto, as I said, one of the great stitch-ups, not for, only from West Coast, but from the AFL. Gorn, Wits, uh, big Darcy Moore, who went on to be the Premiership captain, all looking well oversized compared to our man, Liam Duggan. Let's stay in the West Coast Eagles arena for number nine, our boy David Wirapunda. Talking about the 2006 Grand Final, he went into that game under a bit of an injury cloud, and within the first two to three minutes being on ground, that injury cloud he was under reared its mighty head. Let's have a listen. Grand final week, you're out of the team. You're not in the team coming yeah. into the grand final. Do you remember that? Yeah, that was uh, the two weeks in the week before we jumped on the plane. We had a fitness test. Uh, remember Stewie Cormack? What were you out with? Uh, I had a grade two hamstring. So they, Stuart Cormack called me because um, we had the meeting two weeks out. And we've all agreed with the coaching staff and Wusha, Suma, 
was big on it. I uh, say, oh, we'll just we'll just rule you out now. And I just said, yes, let's do it because we don't want to muck around. Jamie Graham's playing good footy. Let's just put it to bed now. So on the week before we left, uh, on the Thursday or Friday, we did a, a fitness test. And um, Morsha did a few one-on-ones with me. I've thrown it around. And the doc said to me, "If you don't, whatever you do, don't pick the ball up because you, you would just tear it again. Because I was great too. I was still bleeding. When did you do it? The qualifying final. Qualifying final. Right. Hence uh, the Bulldogs might have been. Well, that's, a, that's a four-week injury. Yeah, right. So this is two weeks after two weeks a four-week injury. Yep. Yep. So it was bleeding. Um, I did rehab after rehab with Uncle Bill. We knew deep down inside after doing the beach walks and all that at City Beach, I just couldn't even tolerate that. So that's why I, I wanted to go and make that call with the coaching staff to say, look, let's just rule it out now. And then uh, Wooshie backflipped on me because he did a one-on-one with me after training. And he goes, why don't we just take you over and we make a call over in Melbourne and we do, do it the day before mm. on the Friday. And uh, for some reason I somehow got through, but I can still feel it. It's a great to hammy. And uh, the doc says to me, game day, whatever you do, don't think about it. I said, I can't. I think about this is like me not thinking that I'm Aboriginal. (laughs) It's fucking there right now. (laughs) And that's what happened. So I had to go into the game and the first – we let the game – let the heat go out. I've come on the uh, from the interchange and the ball's gone down the back line. I'll never forget it. Chicky's there, one-on-one with Mickey O, and I've got Buchanan – and the doc goes, whatever you do, we're at, do not slide to ground. First move I do, slide under the ground, go underneath and give it to Chicky. I remember this. And as I stood up, she grabbed. She grabbed. So uh, Stuart Cormack, uh, no, who was our run? Daniel Metropolis. Yep. <laughs> Metro's come out and he goes, all right, well done. We need you to, we need you to, uh, to run uh, with Buchanan, but he's going as a half forward a high half forward, and I said, I can't run with him. And then he said the F word and then come back, and there was no changing then. So Wushi just said, all you have to do is stand in front of Barry Hall all day. I don't care what it takes, you have to cut him off. So that was that's all I could do. So I basically played in three-quarter pace and just annoyed the shit out of Barry Hall. So you couldn't run. You did your hammy in the first play of the ground for Yeah. Him. She grabbed straight away and that's why it was taped up. So Bill Sutherland taped it as hard as he can and he just looked at me and he goes, this is going to do sweet fuck all, (laughs) but it's going to work in your head. (laughs) (laughs) Strap your hammy to the back of your leg. And that was the hardest thing. I'm thinking, I'm trying to convince myself I don't have a hamstring. I don't have a hamstring. I've got no calf muscles. I don't really need muscle. So, yeah, so um, that's, that's what happened. So all I had to do is limp my way through it and it, the worst thing was it was early in the game so I, I just had to kind of hobble around you, you played that, you played that game with the number 22 on your written yeah. on your tape mm. oh because I mate as you know if you know Jamie Graham he's one of the most beautiful people that you'll ever meet in your life I I hated taking his spot and he gave me a big kiss and cuddle before it when he got told uh, but if there's one person if I wish that I couldn't take his spot, that would be Jamie Graham. Because he played every game that year, didn't he? He did. Played uh, the prelim. Played, played, he, mate, he's one of our best players through the final series, but he's a gentleman. And mm. if you know him personally, he's the last person that you want to do anything like that to. So that was 
I, I wanted to write that down just to remind myself. And I, I looked at that as soon as I slid on that ground, I can tell you that. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So did he, did he have to sort of, I mean, obviously the coach makes the call, but did he put his hand up and say it's, it's all good? No, I think it was more the coaching staff pick because um, we have our team meeting and then after that they kind of play their little war games to see different matchups. Um, and in part of that process as well as was trying to push me forward just to um, just to get a bit of run in my legs and that's when I knew that I, I shouldn't have been out there. David, we're a punter there with one of the all-time great stories of 2006 Grand Final West Coast. Win that one. I get to the club in 2007. He was still whinging about having no, no hammies for the rest of that year. Now, let's change tact a little bit. Let's go to netball, specifically men's netball. Dan Ryan, uh, the current coach of the West Coast Fever here in Perth, he, well... I guess men's netball, it's not right up there in the lights of uh, big Hollywood-type sports, is it? He had to fund his way around the country while he was representing Australia in the men's netball national team. How did he do that? Well, he didn't ask mum and dad for a gift. He went on the prices right. Come on down, Dan. We had Nat Medhurst on, on Backchat uh, quite a few months ago, and she spoke about her time coming up through the system as a young female player in a female sport, effectively. Was there... Did, were you working other jobs while you were doing this? Was this a full-time thing for you as an athlete? Like, Well, the interesting thing with men's netball, I suppose, that the public wouldn't be aware of is that we pay to play. So anytime right. you're going off to a national championships, you're probably 4000 bucks out of pocket. Anytime you're going out, away with the Australian men's team, back in my day, you were anywhere between four to eight grand out of pocket, depending on where you were going to. So it certainly wasn't sustainable over a long, long period of time. And you had to ensure that one, you were working full-time full-time work to ensure you had the money to pay for these trips. But also, you know, when I was a youngster, I had to rely on mum and dad a lot. Um, luckily for me though, I won the, the Price is Right showcase and had a little, bit of, little bit of pocket money sitting in the bank. So uh, just a, just a side story. Oh, but I actually God. had to use that money to actually pay for a lot of these netball trips. So We celebrate if the quilts are more than 440, if they're less than 1647, you could be a big winner here tonight. Go! Yes! Have a look at this. About forty thousand dollars. Forty thousand dollars. Tell me everything about <laughs> you the prices, right? Met Larry. Mate, you met, oh. met him. Took him for what he was worth. Yeah. What game did you play? What, what would well, it be? the game I had to play uh, was squeeze. So I had six numbers and I had to get rid of one number oh, to I get the price one. of uh, what it was. So, so hang on, yeah. even further back. So you're sitting in the crowd and yeah. you get your name called and yeah. you come running down like a lunatic down the stairs. Absolutely, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That's how it works. And then yeah. you win the bid. Win the bid, right? Yeah. And get then, on to the squeeze. Yeah. And then, and then what happens? <laughs> and then so you have to sit and watch the rest of the show to see whether you're the top two in terms of the most money that you've uh, won in that other game. Other crowd yelling, you're like, do this, do that. That's yeah, that. yeah, yeah. So I've got on to bid for the showcase and it's gone back and forward for a little bit with I think the girl I was up against was Coralie or something like that. God, how old Coralie. are you at this stage? I was 19. Wow. Yeah, 19. Um, I'd just come off playing national championships the day before and I was absolutely exhausted and I wow. was bored shitless sitting in the crowd. <laughs> and they filmed three shows in a night. And after the second show, I'm like, I'm just ready to go. So I actually got out of my chair and started to walk out of the studio. Studio door closed. I had to go and sit back down. And then three minutes later, Dan Ryan, come on down. I'm like, fuck yes. So that's how it actually started. And then, yeah, back to the showcase, bidding back and forward. And then we got down to... 
it was my bid and I was either going to get it right or she was going to get it. So it was like down to two options and luckily I got the exact price right and then went on to actually bid on the showcase and that was, um, yeah, you got about seven prizes that you got to put in order, et cetera, and that's where you're kind of interacting with the crowd and, um, yeah, won the showcase. (laughs) Did you do the the putt? No, I didn't do the putt. No, No, the putt's a separate one. (laughs) Yeah, different So can you say like what, give me a ball putt, like what did you win? So altogether, I think it's about thirty-six thousand dollars worth of prizes. Oh, so there was, a, really yeah, there was a Suzuki Liana car. You should want a car. So you won the whole thing. Didn't have a license, <laughs> <laughs> and didn't get a license until I was thirty-two. So Fleet um, network could have yeah. sorted it out. Hey, wait, didn't get his license till thirty-two. Yeah, had um, what was it? There was a four-wheel quad bike that I rode around in the backyard for five minutes and then sold it. Um, <laughs> we had a kitchen, uh, all these other stuff, like some really cool stuff in there, and then. Um, Dad was pretty good. He's like, oh, sell this, sell that, put a bit of money in the bank and you can start using all that money for your bloody netball trip. So I'm like, Jesus. (laughs) so good. How did you even get – why were you on prizes right from the beginning? Did you just apply? Well, I think you just apply to get tickets. And then um, a friend of mine, Leah, from um, high school, she got tickets. She goes, oh, you want to come along? I'm like, yep, no worries. So, um, yeah, went along. There's about four or five of us. And um, it was just absolute luck of the draw type of thing. That's crazy. That is unreal. You won prizes right. You weren't just on it. You won. The elite men's netballing yeah. captain of the country funded his career <laughs> from the process thanks Larry <laughs> I forget um, it actually happened though but you, when you talk about the money for netball I'm like that's where a lot of that money went to actually play the game do you have the vision of it I do actually can you uh, we'll, we'll have to we'll find it t- no yeah. we'll be attaining that <laughs> yeah. thing yeah. Um, now like, that's, a, that's a good transition <laughs> I can't stop thinking about <laughs> yeah. it it's amazing Larry Emder there and Dan Ryan one of the cracking yarns about how to fund your way into a sport that was number eight Number seven, in what can only be described as some of the greatest chat of all time out in the football field, 2018 grand final, let me set the scene, not Mark Lacroix, Adam Trelaw. We spoke to him, now a Western Bulldog. We spoke to him about his time in the 2018 grand final. Remember, Adam Trelaw came off two hamstring injuries late in that year to play in this game, head-to-head with yours truly. We had some words out in the field and... Um, I think we both recalled them pretty fondly. You know, there was one team that we didn't want to play and it was probably the Eagles. There was a team we didn't want to play. We watched the game because you guys played Melbourne the next day and we watched it and we mm. were thinking, quarter time, yeah, we're playing the Eagles because you guys were... <laughs> you scored a goal the first half. I know, you were destroying them. <laughs> um, and we knew that, yeah, our work's going to be cut out for us. So I just remember the week. I just wanted to appreciate the week. Um, you know, just take everything in, knowing that this, you know, might never get this opportunity again. I've just had a double hammy, and I've been able to get back and play. So, um, enjoy the grand final parade, and then yeah, I just, you know, get out there and, and soak it all up. I got out there extremely early, grand final day. I knew where my friends and family were sitting, so I went up and gave them a hug and spoke to them for a bit, and and then yeah, the game starts, and it's kind of a blur. I remember the. I just remember being up five goals to nothing and thinking, sitting on the bench, and I remember I think um, Will, Will Hoskinelli kicked a goal to put us five goals up and yep. it was just, is this really, like are we going to you know, run on top of them? What's happening here? Everything's going our way. Nothing's going the Eagles' way. The, they had the first shot on goal, which I think Josh Kennedy missed, had another shot, which missed. And I thought, you know, the crowd is um, you know, pretty even, but there's definitely going to be a bias towards Collingwood because being in Melbourne and, um, and then from there, it was kind of just an arm wrestle. And, yeah, it was, again, just a blur, just a blur. I was thinking about um, moments in that game and things to talk to you about, and you popped into my mind. I don't know if you remember 
interactions we had on the day. I don't know if you remember. I think, yeah, I, I think you were, you were on Geordie, were you? Yeah, well, I was on Geordie, but don't worry about it. I want to speak to Geordie about that. I want, oh, okay. you, you, and, you and I. Like, we specifically – so my teammates talk about my – that's the best game I've ever played in my life. Yeah, and you I, are when, when I when I When I was playing, people used to say, that. I said, oh, piss off, I've played for 14 years. <laughs> I must have played a better game. Now I'm finished. I'm well aware that's right at the top and everything else is a long-distance second. Yeah. But – in the game, I was in this sort of mode where, like, we were going to win, and I, we were going to win when the, before the game started. When five goals down, I still thought we were going to win. And I remember having a, literally a chat to you in the middle of the ground. Like, we, this would have been mid- second or third. Yeah, yeah, I do remember. And you said something like, "I don't know, whatever." Well, you, you were lipping off. I was lipping off. <laughs> and whatever you said, I replied with, "I'll fucking see you at the end, at the of, the end game. of the game." That's right. right. I do remember <laughs> this. Uh, yes. And I, I, I talk shit to players, yeah. the, but I specifically remember this because. It was almost like we'd sat down at a table and been <laughs> yeah. like, right, we're going to have a chat about this at the end of the game. Because <laughs> yeah. I was literally grand final, 100,000 people. That's right, because I was resting forward. No, what happened is I was resting forward and you were you were playing on the resting mid that was going forward. And this is how I remember because you were playing so bloody good. And you were um, just hitting me and Geordie from behind. Yes. And Perhaps. I don't even know. I don't even remember what I said. And I do remember you saying, I'll see you at the end of the game. And pretty much we'll win. And I'm like, no, you won't. Yes, <laughs> this is exactly no, right. Won't. No, no you won't. won't. And then... I kept seeing you. Anytime I saw you, I said, I see <laughs> we'll you in the game, we'll win. We'll yeah. win. And like, yes. to your credit, thinking about it, you would like, yeah. it was just so strange because it was such a competitive game yeah. and like, you wanted to win, we wanted to win, but like, it was almost like we had this thing during that game. Like yeah. Every time I'd see you, I'd be like, I'll see we'll you after win. the game. No, and you're like, no, you won't, no. mate. <laughs> anyway, the game goes how it goes and I'll come back on that. But I remember after the game, yeah. shaking your hand. Yep. And going, I go, I told you. I told you so. But like, not <laughs> but no hard feelings. No, no. I was like, I told you, no, no. and you were like, yeah, you did, mate. Like, yeah. congratulations. See, I was that, like, I see that's the beauty that. of, that's what I love about um, sport is we can be like that out there and then at the end of the game, and I was devastated, mate. I was, you know, bore my eyes out for, for a good uh, couple of years. No, for a, <laughs> for a couple um, yeah. only for a couple of hours. But, um, sorry, and, 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 uh, some scars. Yeah, no, no, that's fine. But, um. After obviously after that, the fact that we were able to, I guess, embrace and you know, well done, mate. It was no hard feelings, and it was, um, you know, you were right. You were right. <laughs> that's what you said, and yeah. I was like, it's always stuck with yeah. me, and yep. I, that's why I've been. I've loved to talk to you about it, see if yeah. you remembered, because I remembered, and it wasn't like my arrogance. It was no, more like what if, like what, a, like what a genuine moment. Like yeah. it could have quite easily been the other way. Yep. And I would have just the same way gone. Oh, well, you were yeah. right. You said you were. You well, said you were going to yeah. win. The thing is, I would never. I would never. Never take anything. Anything is said on the field, like in in those regards, never take that personal at all. No. Like it's great. It's banter. It's good. Yeah. <laughs> it's great. I mean, it happened on the weekend. Like there's a couple of times with the Port Boys and us going back at each other and, you know, at the end of the game we see each other. I was like, yeah, hey, you won. Fuck. Yeah. You won. <laughs> no good. Did, um, where were you when she – like do you think about it? Do you think about always. this game at all? No. Do you, do you think about it or is it like – like? No, no. I played, a, I played a losing grand final 2015. Mm. Don't think about it. I literally just put it out of my brain. Well, yeah, it's different to the one I lost in Melbourne. I don't think about that one. Against Melbourne, sorry. I don't think about that one because of the way we lost. Yep. We The game was over 20 minutes ago in the last. Yep. I think about this one a lot because it's the closest I've been and plus the way in the game was played. And I, I always see that it's regarded as the best game of um, pretty much all time. It's always voted as right up there as number one or two. And I always, yeah, I, I quite often think about it. I quite think about... Um, 
what could have been different. And I remember the whole play building up to Sheed, obviously taking the mark and kicking the goal where I was. You kicked it into the forward line. Yeah, I remember Geordie was running away from the ball and I was kind of hoping he came back at it and I just kicked it as long as I could and McGovern made one of the great plays as as a defender. And then his kick was even better. And then... Mm. Liam Ryan obviously took that great mark on Tom Langdon, who hasn't who hadn't been outmarked the whole final series, <laughs> was was playing unbelievable. And then obviously the kick to Sheed, and not like I remember the play, do I? But yeah, <laughs> I, um, I remember the play and um, illegal shepherd. Or? Absolutely, no, was. no, it was. Look, yeah, it was. I look back, no, I don't. I think in those moments it's hard to call. Maybe if you know the team's up by ten goals, maybe call it. But in those moments it's hard to call it because you see him knock it called and you see him get called. So. You know, I wish it was cold because it could have been a little bit different. But, you know, we just shouldn't have let you guys back into the game. We're up by five goals. That's mm-hmm. how I look at it. I think we should have we should have been able to continue that momentum. What I think really hurt us is the goal that we allowed at the end of the first quarter. I think it was like a dribble along the ground where it was kind of a fluke goal. Yeah. It wasn't really – it was like off the boot of – it was Rioli. I mean, it yeah. might have been Rioli. Yeah. the bottom yeah. of his shoe. Yeah, literally. And it was – if that was a point, we go – five goals rather than go up because I think you guys kicked another goal just prior yeah, to that. Two in the last minute. Mm. And I think if they weren't allowed, sorry, if that didn't happen, we would have been, yeah, a lot I more agree. confident. Oh, and we would have been, you know, yeah, and you guys going five far, goals right? down and yeah. haven't scored a goal. Yeah. So there's time. moments in the game where mm. you just like, yeah, but I'm proud, mate. I'm, I, I've got my grand final jersey hung up. I'll always be proud of being able to get back and play in that game. Again, I'll talk about... Um, I just mentioned, you know, being one of the great games that the, our sport has ever seen and people regard it as one of that. And quite often you get people talk about, you know, what a game that was for both sides. It's something that I'm proud of and I'll always be proud of that. Mm. One thing I um, sort of learned in the last year or so is that the team that loses the grand final still has the, like, the dinner, mm. the night of the grand final. What was that like for you guys? Um, oh, it was, a, it was quite sombre in the rooms afterwards, but then give us, you know, half an hour, everyone you know, teared up, had their tears and their loved ones. We all got together and then as soon as you have a beer or so, it's pretty good from there. So, <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, so it wasn't too bad. It, we had all our friends and family there and, you know, I said I'll, I'll, I'll say that it's one of the great nights that I've ever had, one of the great nights. Of, I can only imagine winning one. Mm. can only imagine what that would be It's like. actually you drink – I've done both. Uh, you, you you have more – well, not more fun, but you get more pissed after yeah. losing. Yeah, You, like, carry on you more when you've lost, whereas, yeah. like, winning, you just, like, rela- well, like you just want to go to sleep. Well, you've got a lot more commitments, don't you? Yeah, but it's more and- like – mate, it's just relief. Like, you, you, you're chasing a flag, right? And yeah. it's like we don't have to bounce around that. Like, yeah. you want, you've want you played in two losing grand finals, you've played in losing, uh, losing prelims, prelims, winning prelims, right? Like, I'd assume you can say it for yourself. Like, that's what you're chasing, right? That's, mate, what that's the only reason I'm playing now. Yeah. I, as I said, I think about – I've mentioned to 18 that I wanted to retire mm-hmm. um, and I think back why I do it and, and, yeah, it's the whole reason I play. And, you know, when I knew that I was um, having to leave Collingwood, my, you know, my first thought straight away was, oh, where's a team that I think is capable of winning? And that's obviously the Bulldogs. And we came really close in 21 and I still think, you know, our best footy is as good as anybody's. We just need to play consistently that brand of footy that we need to play and, and, and bring um, our best, which is... At the moment, again, we're doing that inconsistently. But, yeah, I, I thoroughly believe in the group that we have and, and it's the whole reason why I play. After some quick Googling here at Backchat Studios, he who laughs last laughs best, I think. I don't know. Look, all I know is I'm laughing. Adam Trelaw, he was humble in uh, defeat. Maybe me, not so much in victory. But that was a cracking yarn. Coming in at number six, 
This is a ripper. I don't know. If this is number six, I don't know what the top five is going to be, but this is an absolute cracker. Bo Waters. You may remember him um, in featuring such as uh, man gets knocked out like an absolute pillar. Man knocks out other people like an absolute pillar. Uh, can you remember the time Barry Hall knocked out Brent Staker? Well, Bo Waters can. He was right there. He was an 18 or 19-year-old, and he didn't stand for actions like that on the field. What does it feel like when you flush someone fair? Flush someone fair. Um, it's a, it's, it's kind of when you really get them fair, you don't barely even know you've hit them right. So it's like hitting the middle of the cricket bat. Yeah, it's that is a great analogy. It's like when you hit a ball right in the middle of a cricket bat. It's just flush, and you haven't tried to hit it hard, but it's gone for a six. It's come straight out of the middle. It's exactly the same. You hit them when their body weight's on the back foot or the side foot, and then your body weight's going forward. And, you know, the ramifications are pretty serious for them. It might have <laughs> might have been like how Chris Mayne felt when you went backing back like a lunatic. <laughs> I was doing the work. It's always been my dance move, man. I've, I've seen that as well. <laughs> you do the worm. He does the worm. I used to. No, wow. It's not as flexible anymore. <laughs> I've seen him do the worm at a wedding. <laughs> anyway. Celebrating. Uh, correct. And I've seen him do the, the worm at two back oval against Fremantle. <laughs> I was in that game. Some people call it courage. Is that stuff courageous or are you just going Stupidity. to the footy? Yeah, is it? I mean, seriously, yeah. that one was stupid. You yeah. you were literally running back as far. Like, yeah. just turn around and try and mark the ball the backwards, back. Backwards, man, as fast as I can. Here <laughs> I go. I mean, that was cr- – I remember being in that game and I, 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 I was playing and I stopped and I was like, what the fuck yeah. is this guy doing? Yeah. <laughs> <You're> <laughs> like, what is going you're on? Idiot. And yeah. you're straight back up. Yeah, got back up. Um, I always had a view that – Kind of my shoulders and and my side and my back was relatively protected. So the worst worst case scenario is you get a knee in the back of the head, result in stitches, which happened a few times, or you get a knee in the in the rib, maybe in a kidney. But if you go front on, like if I turn around and try and mark that ball and run front on, you can get a knee in the jaw, knee in the eye socket. Um, the implication is greater. So never, you know, and I never really considered the the again the ramifications of of getting hit it just once that starts to creep into your mindset when you're playing elite sport you're probably pretty close to being done so everything's such a split second decision that if you're questioning yourself um you're not necessarily playing that instinctual game that has made you great and you're not in flow state you're questioning the the logic of your decision and that that moment has has passed. So at that point, I got a free kick. I won the ball back for us. I can't remember the result of the game. Probably changed the momentum. <laughs> <laughs> Just kidding. <laughs> Dude, I mean, talking about moments like that, uh, you, you, you were in the game when stakes get knocked out by yeah. Barry Hall. You're a young bloke right there. Like, are you, th- are you thinking, well, I've got to go stick up for stakes? Are you, like, what? You, like Barry Hall at the time, pro- yeah. probably up there with the most intimidating players, and he's just king hit someone. Yeah. Or did you allegedly see, did you see the, the hit? Yeah. He was right there. Yeah. Yeah, I, I was very interested in what Barry's favourite restaurants in Sydney were. So I said, where should I go and get a steak after the game? <laughs> Come on. You look go- furious. Yeah. Steaming. I, I took that stuff personally. Mm. And, and I didn't – I never cared – how big or intimidating someone was. If that was below the line, like we all sign up to a, a kind of code of ethics when you walk on the field. 
And that was not within the parameters of the ethics. Play hard, compete. You know, guys get hurt when you when you're playing a contact sport. But that was that was not not great. Um, and Barry, you know, in retrospect, has actually come out publicly and said that's one of his biggest regrets as a player. Now I felt as though, you know, our team and I happened to be the person that was there to enforce that had to show that it's not accepted and the game doesn't accept it. And the West Coast Eagles as a tight knit competitive unit won't stand for that type of thuggery on the field. And that was as simple as it was. And if he hit me, hit me, whatever, it's kind of, you know, I'd never really thought that what if he does, mm. um, didn't cross my mind. <laughs> was anyone else petrified when Bo Waters looked down the camera and said, I took that personally because I was. I was shaking in my boots. I wonder if Barry Hall was. Probably not. Uh, let's go to number five, shall we? The Bison, Mitch Marsh. Uh, some would say much maligned, certainly not here at Backchat Studios, but he came into the 2020 World Cup with a bit of a question mark hanging over his head but some conversations before that with current coach Andrew McDonald set the scene for him to play one of the great innings ever seen in the gold and green. I, I think as a, um, certainly as cricketer, but most other sports as well, you kind of know when you're going to get dropped. You know if you're not performing or you know if someone's performing better than you in another role that they're going to come in. So that was probably the first time in my career where I was actually shattered because I just did not see it coming. Um, I certainly understood the reasons. They brought Ashton Agar in um, as a matchup to have two spinners against England um, and also Ash Bats as well. So it allowed him, him to bat at seven and mm. um, strengthen the bowling a bit because their batting's phenomenal. So I understood the reasons. I just was obviously shattered and it was the World Cup and the World Cup, the way it's run, it's really quick. So you get dropped one game, it's like, oof. Mm. How am I getting back in here? So, but to be brutally honest with you, I actually was okay. Um, I was upset that I wasn't playing, but I kind of think that the everything that's happened throughout my career and my life, it was, and all the lessons that I've learned, I just accepted it. And I knew that if I got down in the dumps, then I wouldn't enjoy the rest of the World Cup. Um, I wanted to be a good 12th man, um, which I've become bloody good at over the journey. Um, <laughs> And I was fine. I went to training the next day and got what I needed to do and I kind of felt that I would come back in so I didn't want to drop the ball completely. Mm. Um, and it's totally fine to be angry and upset when you get dropped um, just as long as you don't carry on like a Muppet. So, um, yeah, I was fine really um, and ended up coming back in, which was bloody great. <laughs> well, I think I was texting you around that time and I was – no, I'm not the world's biggest cricket fan, am I, Dan? I just no, I just <coughs> quite I the contrary. Yeah, I don't. Well, anyway, there's a few things that irk me about the game. But <laughs> I'm not going to get into it. But I'll tell you, uh, I watched you for that for that last period of that that World Cup. I mean, you must look back on that because I feel proud about the way you played. But you must look back on it as a, as a, you know, having been through over a decade of in and out and injuries and ups and downs to do something on the biggest stage. You play in. Some great games coming into the final. You play in the World Cup final, um, seventy-seven, I think. Yep. Oh, 50. Right? Yep. Man yeah. of the match, Norm Smith Medal. I, I don't know if you can do much more than that. You must be proud of it. Yeah, it was uh, by far the best day of my career to date. Um, the build-up throughout that whole year, um, 
stems back to uh, April in New Zealand where we played a T20 series and I had a bit of a stinker. I was batting at number seven and number eight even at times. They were sort of just experimenting with a few different lineups and I had a mare and I had a really great conversation with our now coach, Andrew McDonald. Um, he was just really honest with me about um, – he basically wanted me to learn to just go from ball one. So six months out from the World Cup final, I had a conversation with him and I went away and worked on – just literally going from ball one, not slogging from ball one, but if a ball's in my area, hitting hitting it for six from ball one. And there's a lot that goes into that um, from a technical point of view and all that sort of stuff, but more so mentally. Yeah. Having the courage to walk out there and back my game to go, if that's there, I'm hitting it for six. So I worked on that for six months, West Indies tour. Um, Bangladesh tour was horrific, the worst we've ever played on, so it cost me a bit of my strike rate. Um <laughs> And we get to the World Cup and it all sort of comes together in a World Cup final where, um, yeah, that first ball sort of went yeah. for six and um, the juices were flowing. Um, that I, I really – I still get a bit emotional about it because there's just been so much that has gone into a moment like that and it rarely happens where you get to – Do it. Sort of achieve something like that and, um, yeah, it was just an incredible night, so incredible you, night. So you tell me six months prior to that, you literally spoke about the thing that you did, yep. which is hit the first six, hit the ball at first, and then you hit the next two for four. Yep. So you were sizzling. Yeah, it was uh, the juices were flowing. <laughs> I, I, there's some good footage. I'm not sure it really does it justice, but I was obviously batting with Davey Warner and I'm walking down the wicket and I'm literally like punching his hand like, come on, come on let's go. <laughs> He's like, whoa, settle down, big boy. Yeah. <laughs> um, but I actually had to calm myself down a little bit because yeah, you can really – if the juices start flowing, that's you no, know, you try and hit every ball for six, and more often than not, you get out. So I had to sort of focus on my breathing a bit and make sure I was nice and calm. And then, yeah, the partnership with Davey really sort of sealed the game. Emotional, yeah, we were emotional too. What made me more emotional was seeing Mitch Marsh smack the English team all over the place in the Ashes, smack them all over the place in the One Day team. He's now the captain of the T20 team. I mean, this man, he's going from strength to strength. Hopefully, we have him on again now. Number four, Bo Waters, he's intimidating. You know who he uh, learnt that off? John Worsfold. Let's hear about when John Worsfold stormed into the Fremantle coaching box in London. Boy, oh boy, wow we. It became something I did. Um, as a young kid, I played, I went hard at the footy. You know, I, I loved the contest. Um, would shepherd hard, teammates protect them, um, tackle hard. So I loved all that stuff. Um, and then... In the AFL, I just remember uh, in those early days with West Coast, there was so much commentary, whether it was a beat-up media commentary, um, Victorian-centric crowds, but talking about the fact that they, this West Australian group of players will not be able to play and cope with the smaller grounds, the heavy, muddy grounds in Victoria. They'll be okay on that big, wide-open ground at Subiaco, which is always hard but they will not be able to deal with the physicality of Victorian football. And, you know, I took a bit of offence to that. And uh, they did, um, when we played away, uh, and we were playing on the suburban grounds, so playing at Moorabbin, small ground, mad crowd, just baying for blood. And no doubt that lifted the St Kilda players to think, let's crack into these blokes like we're at home. They're going to be so intimidated. Yeah. We copped it at Victoria Park with the Collingwood crowd, Windy Hill crowd, 
you know, there was that one game where someone from the crowd had Don Pike in a headlock over the fence. <laughs> you know, not, not, not the Marlon Pickett just tapped him on the shoulder, eh? had him in a headlock. Um, so, actually, did that actually happen? Yeah, it did, yeah, absolutely. Um, so, yeah, when, when they took the cheap shots at us uh, in these suburban grounds and these rough, tough, the Saints or whoever it was, Pies, uh, I was not taking a backward step, I thought we're going to show you that we're going to stand up for ourselves. Um, so from a from early days in that team, um, if anything had happened to me, I would stand up for myself. I'd fight back. And if anything happened to a teammate, I'd try and be first in to support them as well. So, um, yeah, it was just making a statement that, uh, you know, that's it's not accurate the way you're talking about us and it's not the way we're going to be. You were, you only were sent to the tribunal four times. Is that all? That's it. I've... I don't, not that you're not that you're a dirty player, but it just seems like for all your yeah. you know, hard hits and stuff, because yeah. you know, there's some great. One hard... of them was for abusive language. Yeah, to the was, you got fined. What'd you say? One and a half thousand dollars. What'd you say? No, I can't repeat that. Uh, it's like <laughs> you don't get fined now. Hey, the, just ask him if I you saw the, the, um, saw the free kick. The age, I think it was the age newspaper printed the Verbatim. transcript of what I'd said, <laughs> and it was just all but blacked out. It was all asterisks and yeah. like, there was almost no. There English, wasn't no English words in there, but. <laughs> It was directed at the umpire, so you can imagine what I was saying. You, you could fill in the blanks. But um, So you, you had two striking for two matches each, a $1,500 fine, and then no penalty for throat grabbing. Which yeah. is throat grabbing. 1995. Is that choking, or is it just grabbing someone's against, throat? Do you know who? I, I, all it says is 95 throat grabbing. I, could, I, I think that was Buddha hocking. Did, was it? Sure, yeah. my, it was my junior's coach, Buddha. Good man. Yeah. No, he's a lovely bloke. Lovely bloke. He... Um, <laughs> I, <laughs> I tackled him, I tackled him, a good tackle with the ball, and he sort of made this um, fake attempt to handball it out, so he just punched me in the head, like he just swung, punched me in the head, and as we went to the ground, he elbowed me in the face. So I got him pinned on the ground, and I, I actually ended up, like I was almost doing a handstand on his throat. I had my whole body weight <laughs> on his neck on the ground, and he was starting to kick because he couldn't breathe. He was starting to kick out, and he was panicking. And... Uh, so he, I think in the end he thought the only way I'm out of this, he's like trying to eye gouge me. He's like ripping at my eyes and he got busted. Like he could see clearly I'm trying to pull my head away. And my, his fingers are in my eyes and he got charged with misconduct for eye gouging. And at that stage, I wasn't charged with anything. And then all of a sudden the media went, oh, well, he's doing it because he's getting like choked. We better charge the other bloke too. So then I got charged with throat grabbing. Throat grabbing. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> You're choking him. Yeah, I know. It was Apparently, self-defense throat grabbing, so that should have been all right. You, but, you um, may have got off on that one because this says... No, we both got off. He got off the um, eye gouging thing with like clear picture. Like, Would you both go to tribunal? No, sorry, I didn't, wasn't in my eye. I wasn't, like wasn't grabbing his throat. Yeah, says, I, I would have um, said, no, nah, his finger's not really in my eye. You know, I'm just making it look like it is. As a young player who played under John Worsfold, I can tell you right now, John Worsfold has your back. You're running through brick walls for the man. Um, back that into Bo Waters from the Barry Hall story. I don't know if you could meet two more intimidating blokes. Let's change tone a little bit. Uh, this one here, coming in at number three, one of the all-time chats we've had on Backchat, Jason McCartney, now with the GWS Giants, but he's played across multiple clubs. Uh, his, his overall chat was one of the great ones, but this specific story, uh, highly personal, deeply, uh, deeply insightful. Uh, he spoke about the Bali bombings. We'd been to New Orleans for five days, and... I suppose the irony of all that, we've seen what's happened September 11, the year before, and 
Mm. We got a footy trip to New Orleans, and I initially, well, that was one of the organisers. I was at that stage because obviously um, I didn't know whether I was going to go on or not. Because Narissa and I, my wife, were getting married in December that year, and then as it got closer, I thought, ah, yeah, I need to be there. <laughs> I've organised a lot of this. I need to be there. <laughs> but the, the irony of it all is you go in there and you do have a level of apprehension because the world's a different place then after those um, terrorist attacks in America. And we're going to New Orleans and, yeah, we're there for five days. It was just an amazing trip. And then, once again, guys stayed, states, went on to other parts of the world and there was a group that came back to Australia. But Mick and I came back here to Sydney and... Mick Martin, that is, but we're going to Bali the next day just for, just for a week, catch up with some mates from um, from Perth who are over there. So, yeah, we've we've done the footy trip, which I thought, you know, like I said, after what had happened a year, you're a bit apprehensive about. And then, yeah, get to get to Bali and then you get caught in a terrorist attack. Yeah. So after really only arriving that sort of afternoon. Does, I mean, we've spoken about your footy journey before um, 2002. But, but, but clearly, there's not many people that have moments in their life that can actually reflect on footy as just as footy. Like sometimes yeah, yeah. people can get really caught up with yeah. the football bubble. And you've been in footy, oh, right, yeah, your whole yeah, life. Yeah, that's right. So, you know, I, I, I'd assume given what happened in Bali that year, yeah, it puts things in perspective. Yeah, it does. So the fact that what happened in footy and missing out on that premiership medallion and things like that, um, it doesn't it doesn't bother me to, to be honest. Like yeah. it, I'm sure if I hadn't gone through something like this, it would still eat away at me, but um, I'm just grateful that after unfortunately going through that, you, you live to fight another day. So it does put everything into perspective. And like you said, footy, it's amazing. It's been just so wonderful for me and continues to be so. Like I'm 49 now and I started at 16 and that's the only industry I've been in. That's all I've done and it's just super. Um, but yeah, when you go through battles and, and everyone's got a story, different battles with, um, health or the terrorist attack that I and others went through, it, it just puts everything back into perspective. So, um, yeah, you never think you're going to ever go through something like that, but I suppose for me, you think how unlucky, but I only think about that for a moment because from the moment it happened, I just feel unbelievably fortunate every step of the way that... I was able to make it through and come out the other side, um, yeah, getting life back to normal, really. Mick Martin was yep. with, with you. How close is your connection with him? Yeah, it's always – it was it was a really good connection at the footy club. continues to be so, but I think your footy club mates, and, and especially when you move away and you're in a state and you're not in Melbourne, but your footy club mates, to me, they're like your great schoolmates. So it doesn't matter where you are. Uh, in Australia or anywhere in the world, and you mightn't even speak to them much on the phone, but when you catch up, it's like yesterday. Um, mm -hmm. And we certainly had that. I remember going back uh, for the 99 Premiership reunion, and there's got some guys I'd seen regularly, some I hadn't seen for, for years, and, and the great thing, the staff as well. And that day, it's just like you are with them a week ago, <laughs> so that's great. But yeah, I'm Mick being with me in that situation, I'm just always extremely grateful, and he knows it, that yeah, if it wasn't for his help and support in that uh, initial stages, like, I don't know what I would have done. Even even though it was the 10th time I'd been to Bali, I, I don't know where I would have went to. He sort of was able to guide me up the road and chuck me on the back of a, a motorbike with a Balinese motorcyclist and got me back to the Hard Rock Hotel where we were staying, which most people think, what are you doing? Why aren't you going to a hospital? But I think Mick had been there half a dozen times before. 
Um, and in his wisdom, all he knew was, well, let's get back to the hotel because there's generally a doctor on duty there and at least we'll get some treatment. So, yeah. So without Mick being there in that situation, yeah, I just don't know what I would have done and where I would have went. People, people listening to this have been to Bali. I've yeah. been there a hundred yeah. times. Sounds like you have as well, Pre, yeah. and you've yeah. been back there obviously yeah, after. Yeah. But like a, a, a fucking bomb goes off. Yeah. Like, I mean, that, you don't, you're not, yeah. it doesn't so, matter what's happening in the world at the time. No, 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 that's right. I think if I fast forward to the Sunday morning in hospital, that became the great shock because as bad as I was, you didn't know how many others had been involved. But that Saturday night, to keep everyone calm in the emergency ward we are in, they just talked about a gas explosion. Hmm. But to find out the next day, you know, 10 or 11 o'clock, whenever it was, what had actually happened, that it was a, it was a terrorist attack. It just put a whole, shed a whole new light on, on what had happened and a bit hard to deal with, to be honest. But yeah, we, we actually had been out for dinner in Cuda and we were, once again, it's like yesterday, we're on the left-hand side, I think it was the macaroni bar, we'd had pasta feed for dinner on the same side as the Sari Club, we're heading that way. And this is where I felt guilty because I said to the boys, let's go across the road to Paddy's Bar because at least we'll be able to hear each other, like have a chat because mm. we only got there that day. We can go across there later. If we're going there now, we're not even going to hear it. You won't even be able to hold a conversation. So when it all happens, I'm not to know what had happened at the Sari Club at the time. And like, I'm thinking, I've taken us to a place and there's a terrorist attack. But then I found out what had happened at the Sari Club and I'm thinking, thank goodness we yeah. went to Paddy's. Now in Paddy's, we had no idea at the time, been there 15, 20 minutes, but the suicide bomber was only five metres from where we were standing. So we, we are very, very lucky, that's for sure. But I, yeah, I, I would be 95% confident if we'd been in probably the Sari Club that the four of us probably don't make it out. So, so. Mick, Mick, I mean, Mick Martin, for me, growing up, right, I've been in back my whole career. Yeah. I used to fucking love Mick. Yeah, yeah. I was a Geelong fan, mate. Yeah. So maybe that's why I liked him, that, yeah, that yeah. Gary Havlin, yeah. maybe. What was that, 94, I reckon? But, but he, Tudor. it doesn't surprise me. The way, it sounds silly, but, like, I was just such a footy fan, still am, that big Mick Martin, this, like, yeah. he, he was the guy that, you know, saved you. Right? Yeah, like, yeah. It doesn't, it just sounds weird, but, like, I almost yeah. look at him and be like, well, that's him, isn't yeah. it? Yeah, no, it is. It is. He's just got a heart of gold. Like, he's just this gentle giant, really, and just hilarious too, Mick. And he's still the boys. <laughs> we, got, we talk about paganisms. We've got just as many Mick stories. But, um, <laughs> yeah, he – so when I made it out the front, I was on my own, and I'm looking at the building and it's ablaze and just tumbling down. I thought oh, – I just thought, I'm never going to see Mick again. My mate Peter Hughes from Perth and his mate Gary Nash and – but then Mick appeared through the smoke and rubble and it was just just so random that four of us could be together. And here's Mick, uh, some minimal burn injuries. He had the perforated eardrums because the blast was just deafening. Um, but yeah, just, just pretty minimal injuries. So he was able to take control and sort of drag me up the road. So without that, I, I don't know how it would have been. But it, I look back now and, and even Mick spending time with me in the hospital and then when I went in for surgery, then he doesn't see me again and, and he can't find me anywhere. And um, myself and others that were injured badly, you, as much as you're in a really bad way, you probably, you're taking a bit of what's around you, but you're just too bad. So you're not taking in as much. But for Mick who had minor injuries or the volunteers or they're helping or just the medical teams, the horrific scenes that they had to witness, 
there's no doubt the mental scars for Mick are far, far deeper and greater than me. And that's purely because I was just in such a bad way. I saw a bit and it wasn't great, but I was just in too bad a shape. So for me, it was more the physical injuries were far worse, but Mick probably more the mental side of things, which, um, you know, that's, that's really tough. And when I have been back, yeah, you make a connection with Aussies that live there and expats and you hear some of the remarkable stories of what they were doing. And it's just like, there's so much focus and attention rightfully on people who are injured or lost loved ones and the support networks around them, but making sure that these people that aren't injured, that did so much and saw so much that they get the right level of support as well to help them through it. Mm. Um, because no doubt the pain for them um, in a mental space would, would be as great, if not greater than us. A deeply personal account of one of the darkest moments in Australian history, to be honest. Jason McCartney, a footy story, but the Bali bombing side of his journey, uh, we felt really privileged to be a part and uh, and hear his side of that. Now, let's move to number two, a recent one, Ashton Agar. Is he my second favourite cricketer? I don't know. The Bison and him are going head-to-head with for my favourite cricketer. He told some cracking yarns in his chat with us as a part of our Scorchers alignment for season 2023. This one, though, coming in at number two, his chat about what it's like coming up against Virat Kohli. Not only the man himself, but the culture and fanhood that the Indian fans have for this man. The insight here is incredible. Have a listen. Put it in other sports context, you're coming up against like you know perhaps the greatest of all time yeah. in the in the era. Is that more intimidating or you're just bowling? Uh it's funny because Virat, he you don't feel like he's someone that's gonna hit you for six every ball. So the th- like the threat of him isn't as intimidating. What's intimidating is who he is mm. and what it means to the Indian people and in the warm-up, when you're out there warming up and Virat rolls out in like these white and gold pumas, <laughs> you know, he's probably getting paid $10 million to wear. And then his MR, beautiful MRF bat, you know. Brand spanking. Brand spanking new bat. Perfect beard, sunnies, no hat, singlet. And the crowd is going <laughs> bananas. You cannot hear a thing. And he hasn't even tapped the bat yet. This is a warm-up. <laughs> And then you realize like how big these guys are and you're, you're driving around in the hotel and every single billboard in Delhi or Mumbai is Virat. And, you know, he's, he's probably the most marketable athlete in the world. Yeah, He's huge. Uh, and then he walks out to bat. And I, I'm not joking. Like he feels taller than he is when he walks out to bat, you know, and he whacks his bat on the ground and he's intense. Um, his eyes are so intense. You bowl average ball to him and if he doesn't hit it for four he makes you feel average like shit ball like this and i remember the guy jesus all right like it's on now and you get fired up he's like don't say that yeah, about me you didn't put it a boundary mate yeah yeah come off it but you're like all right you know you're alive so that's the huge aura and presence about him and for someone like that's pressure you've got the oh, whole yeah. of india and indians around the world like counting on him and they are so disappointed if he doesn't go well that's real that's proper pressure in a sports environment Mm. so that's probably the coolest part about playing against him is that you feel all of that stuff and then but really you gotta like i said before it's like all right how do i deliver this ball with as much venom as possible and (laughs) as much of me as possible in it to try and get him out um 
and I've, I've got him out a few times, like a couple of times in one day, once in an A game and stuff. But um, yeah, he's incredible. Did you see your shit ball back at him or something? No. <laughs> shit shot? This time, oh God, like this, yeah. I was so happy this time actually because this time he, I bowled a really good over at him, couple of plays and misses and it was, the wicket was spinning and he ran down. He had this like little smile on his face. He goes, that was a beautiful over. I was like, good. Gee, that's a change. Yeah, nice. That's a real welcome change. <laughs> Uh, that, I just sort of laughed, you know. Virat Kohli may have just moved alongside John Worsfold and Bo Waters for intimidation factor. If I if I pulled out a couple of balls to him, they would be smacked so far over the fence, it would not be funny. Okay, number one, we are here. Drum roll, please. Okay, no drum roll. We are here, though, uh, for Back Chat Studios 2023, greatest story of the year. David Matthews, the CEO of the GWS Giants. And we spoke to Dave, an administrator at football level of the highest order. We hadn't done one of those on Backchat, but little did we know, one of the stories that would come out of this chat would top the charts by a long, long way. Kevin Sheedy, uh, at the time, and the inaugural coach of the GWS Giants, they went on a fact-finding mission to England. And somehow, they ended up in a box with the lead singer of Oasis. What follows is... Just quite extraordinary. Got an opportunity to take Kevin Sheedy over to meet Sir Alec Ferguson. We went to a derby, Man City versus Man United. Yes. I think you might have spoken to him about it. Yes. Um, and yeah, Sheedy was Sheedy was always, he's famous for saying that there's only pe three people have done 27 years. Uh, it's Kevin Sheedy at Essendon, Alec Ferguson at Man United, and Nelson Mandela on Robben Island. Um, <laughs> and so he, he was... He had this opportunity to go over and meet Ferguson and so to be on a fly on, fly on the wall for that uh, and see a big derby, it was a great game. Wasn't, wasn't there some people in that box? Yeah, no. there was. That was, uh, that was the one on the way over where um, we were being hosted by Nike in their suite and they said it was actually the game was at Man City. They said there's a chance Liam Gallagher from Oasis is <laughs> going to be in the suite. Yes. Um, so do you want me to tell this story? Yes. Yeah, so <laughs> I said to Sheeds, we settled into the settled into our seats on the plane. They said, you might want to just let him know because he can be a bit erratic, a bit unpredictable. He may not even turn up, but... Uh, Liam wanna... or Kevin? <laughs> <laughs> Liam, <laughs> both. So he said, just let him know that... So I told Sheeds, I said, look, Liam Gallagher from Oasis may well be in this suite. It never heard of him. And I said, <laughs> I said Oasis, at the t you know, when you were coaching in the early 90s, ask Heard and Lloyd and Lucas and these guys, they'd know him. He's... That, the Oasis was probably the biggest band in the world at the time. So I'm, I'm starting, I, I pulled the old iPod out and I'm playing him some songs as we're flying over. And he's saying things like, fuck, don't look back in anger. Where was this when Essendon sacked me? What a song. Gee, these guys can... <laughs> I said, look, so that he might be in the suite. There's two quick rules of giving us. Don't ask for a photo and don't talk to him about his brother. Right. Uh, because <laughs> he, he and Noel have had this massive breakup. And uh, yeah, so you can't talk to him about that. And then uh, uh, we get into the, the suite and he's not there at the start and introduce ourselves around and then suddenly comes bro you know, breezing in with this massive glass of champagne and he's announced himself. Um, and then he got introduced around to everybody. He let us swear on this. I've yeah. been sworn a couple of times. Fuck yeah. <laughs> oh, so he says to, um, he walks around, he's introducing himself to everyone. He says, he says to Sheets, are you the fucking manager? And uh, she goes, yeah, well, we call it a coach, but yeah. He goes, right. 
He said, how'd you know that? He goes, because my security guard is from Australia. He's from Western Australia, actually. And uh, so he goes, why have you got an Australian looking after? And he said, because if a fucking fight breaks out, I want an Australian with me. <laughs> and he said, yeah, fair point. He said, well, he says he knows your game. How fucking good were you? And Sheed says, oh, it was okay. And he said, and Gallagher said to him something like, did you ever play in front of 300,000 in Brazil? <laughs> <laughs> and Sheed said, no, the best I ever did was 100,000 a week for 22 weeks for 27 years at the MCG. <laughs> Did fucking Oasis ever do that? <laughs> and, and Gallagher says, he's got his champagne, he says something like, fucking touche. And then he walks away. We watch the rest of the game. These guys are getting like a house on fire. And uh, I think it was uh, Man, Man United went up 1-0 and... Man City scored the equaliser and Gallagher threw himself over the balcony into the crowd. <laughs> what? Uh, and it wasn't a huge drop, but it was reasonable. Because that means Man City guys, right? Yeah. yeah. And so he's bounced out and he's come back up and it's half time. <laughs> and he's talking to Sheeds and he says, we should get a photo. He, he, he asked for a photo. Um, so we got this photo with Sheeds and then everyone was sort of, you could hear a pin drop, they're chatting away and Sheeds says, how's your brother going? <laughs> And I'm like, oh, no, what are you doing? <laughs> give, me, give me a agree on that. And Gallagher said, I'll fucking tell you how he's going. He's in a box over there with Tom Cruise. And I'm here with you, you geezer. <laughs> 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 so funny. And then Cruise was in town promoting his Mission Impossible film. <laughs> and she'd said, he said, look, you want to know how my brother's going? You know, we're getting offered a lot of money to get back together and, and play again. He, she'd says, no, no, I don't care about your music. I don't even know it. Um, I'm just saying life's short, mate. Um, build a bridge with your brother. You've got to get back together. You know, you'd need to and do it out of the spotlight. Just um, reconnect, mate. You know, I've, I've dealt with my own family and I've dealt with a lot of families and I just think it's a huge mistake you're making. And everyone's like, Gallagher said something like, you know what, I've engaged five lawyers and I'm paying them a lot of money and no one's given me any advice as good as that. Um, and then and they just got on really, yeah. really well. Mm -hmm. and he, yeah, it was... It, it was a bizarre situation to be in. There you go, Sheedy. Uh, maybe exaggerating the truth a little bit, but an absolute cracking yarn from Dave Matthews. That's it. Done and dusted. Our top 10 stories of 2023. Thank you for joining us this year. We're going to be back in a big, big way uh, for 2024. We've got new things coming up, live shows, traveling around the place, huge new guests. And as always, we do it all for you, the audience. Thanks for listening. Thanks for watching. We'll be back next week with another little highlights video. Uh, I don't even know what it is, but it's going to be amazing.